Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest your cause upon Happy Monday, Edwin. Happy Monday, Andrew. Hard to believe it's already March 4, the year of our Lord, 2024. That is hard to believe. It is also hard to believe that we are already on the last chapter of 1 John. I know. This, uh, this little this little writing it went a lot faster than the gospel well it sure did and i mean i mean i guess there's obviously very pragmatic and logistical reasons for that but <laughs> whoom, right through it but it, listen second john and third john will move even more quickly. Well, i guess they will <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get to revelation and that will be interminable yes <laughs> it could last for a thousand years it could last for a thousand years I'm going to read 1 John chapter 5 from the English Standard Version today, and uh, I, I want to talk about being born of God. That's what I want us to, to think about. Here's how it begins, 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Thanks for reading that. I, I greatly appreciate it. I will say that some of these chapters, to my mind, I, I have to read some of these sentences a few times. Oh, my. Um, I find some of this uh, more difficult to understand. I think particularly in contrast to reading the Gospel of John. Yeah, sure. That just always seems so straightforward. Of course, you have a lot of narrative, and now we're getting into teaching and doctrinal things. But, I mean, I, I do get the gist of it. The gist of it is read this teaching, read this letter, read this sermon, if it's a sermon, 
and have confidence. Yeah. Have confidence that you're a child of God. Have confidence that you're going to go be with God. Have confidence that you will have eternal life. The purpose of reading this is not to uh, live in, in a doubt and a, in a uh, angst about whether or not I'm a Christian, whether or not I'm, I'm right with God. No, no. Have a confidence you're born of God and all the blessing that that uh, entails. I'm with you on that. I I think in the big broad strokes, uh, I understand what's going on in this sermon, and I feel comfortable with that. Some of the brush strokes, some of the, the particular um, things that we see, the particular statements. Yeah, the pointillism. I'm not... I'm not <laughs> Not 100% sure on each statement what it means, and, and I struggle with that. So I, I think there's probably going to be some things this week that other readers of First John will hope that we answer or discuss. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm still studying that myself. Well, hey, we, but we, I got some things that I think are really big and important that I think I do grasp, and I want to talk about those things. Well, we may, 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 may or may not get there. I just, uh, even as you were reading, and I'm trying to follow along the Bible, I'm thinking, you know, for our text talkers, you're probably going to want to read this chapter yourself a time or two. Well, that you're, is, of course, you're, you're what's not supposed to happen. Up. Yeah, that's <laughs> that right. That is what's supposed to happen every so day. Every let's day. talk about being born of God. Well, yeah. So with all the things that we have in chapter five, let's talk about verse one. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to start, <laughs> Let's right? talk about verse one. Or, 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 or should we start with verse one? Actually, I think we need to start with the final verses of chapter four, to be honest with you. Yeah. Here's the thing. What I want to talk about is just a notion that we have to keep everything in context. To me, I think we see a beautiful illustration of contextual study. I think sometimes we as preachers, we talk to folks about you've got to keep it in context. You've got to keep it in context. Don't pull the words. Don't pull the verses. Don't even pull the paragraphs out of its uh, local context. It's nearby. It's you know right there right. in the text or even the biblical context, how it fits with the rest of Scripture. Sure. We drive that home. And I, I think that sometimes... Now, our audiences might think we're exaggerating, like we're making too big of a deal out of that. And I think we see a really great illustration here in First John 5, 1 of why context is so important. Okay. So let me just ask you, First John 5, 1, especially the first half of it, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Mm-hmm. Now, I can imagine someone having a Bible study or preaching a sermon on that just half of a sentence right. and, and making all kinds of claims about how to be born of God. And if all mm-hmm. I look at is that half sentence, Andrew, what do you think I'm going to say just based on that half sentence? Just based on that half sentence, I'd say we have found a proof text to say you're saved by faith alone. Yeah, everyone who has faith, everyone who has had a moment of faith. I mean, if we're going to pull this half sentence out, it's like, boom, there it is. It's proven. And why mm-hmm. would anyone argue with this? He says, everybody who has faith, everybody who has, uh, y- y- they yes. are born of God. They're it's born just, of God. You know, it doesn't matter what else they believe. It doesn't matter what else they do. It doesn't matter. Here it is. Everyone who has faith has been born of God. My question is, well, can we really declare that? Especially when we start taking the the theme of John's writings, because mm-hmm. he has actually said Quite a bit He's about being born a lot of God. about being born of God, hasn't he? This is not the only statement between his gospel mm-hmm. and this sermon that he has said. In fact, let me just let me just give you a list. Can sure. I give you a list of some things that he said? If yeah. you go back to what we read in the gospel, in John chapter one, all the way at the beginning of his gospel record, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. 
So let's talk about that for just a okay, second. Okay, go ahead. All right. Uh, we certainly see some echoes to what we're going to look at in First John 5 about being uh, the, the significance of blood and so forth. But notice here, he doesn't say uh, when you believe you're born, but you have the right, right. to become yep. children of God. Yep. yep. Receiving him will lead to belief, will give the opportunity then to become a child of God, but it is not automatic at the point of faith According to this verse. That's interesting. We keep reading through the gospel. By the way, that was chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. I don't know that I gave the reference on that. Now, we're going to keep reading through the gospel of John, and we're going to get to John chapter 3. And while I realize the phrase born of God is not used there, there's no doubt he's talking about being born of God. Well, and born again is in John 3. Well, born sure. above. Born, born from above. above born born, from born above. again. Yeah. Born again, which, which also is that idea of born again from above. Some translations even say it that way. Here's John 3, 5 through 7. Jesus answered, this was in the conversation with Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, or you must be born mm-hmm. from above. You know, some people read that and they say, well, the 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 water and the spirit's the same thing. The water is a metaphor for the spirit. Yeah. Well, that doesn't... But it's listed separately <laughs> it here. Is, it is. It is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think we may have dealt with that when we were actually going through John 3 uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're almost out of time already. No, we got so, plenty so, of time. <laughs> so, we got plenty. I see how long your list is. We got plenty of time. Go ahead. <laughs> so you're in John 3. No, of course, the born of water and the spirit. These are, in the context, we're dealing with water, baptism, and there is a spiritual birth. Right. And as we go through this, this is a birth that happens at baptism, but it is, of course, a birth by the Spirit. And so we have that water and the Spirit. You must be born again. You must be born from above. Mm-hmm. And that's that. so that's the thing that we see in the Gospel of John. Then we come into John's sermon, and we get to 1 John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. You know, there are some who will look at 1 John 5, 1 and say, well, if you've had a moment of faith, you're born of God. Sure. I don't know anybody who looks at 1 John 2, 29 and say, is, says, if you've ever done anything righteous, you're born of God. <laughs> no, because that would be a work, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, that, that would be a work. <laughs> yeah. And then, we we and can't then, have that. Can't have that. Can't have that. And that faith-only doctrine, it doesn't work. Yeah. But I want you to see that in this letter itself, I mean, we went back to the gospel just to give us a little background. John's yeah. sermon is not written in a vacuum, we've said repeatedly. It's anchored in that gospel. But even just in the sermon itself, he's already said Everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Mm-hmm. So there must be some connection between the belief in 1 John 5, 1 and the practicing of righteousness in 1 John 2, 29. And then 1 John 3, 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Mm-hmm. So we recognize that being born of God is not just about what's in the mental ascent, no. but there's some type of life change yeah, like a that repentance. is taking a place. Yes. yes. And then in 1 John 4, 7, so just a little bit earlier, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, would that be love, just a single moment of affection? (laughs) If I've ever just loved a neighbor, just done something loving, now I'm born of God. A discreet, warm feeling towards my neighbor or towards a Christian, and now I'm a Christian? Now now I'm born of God. But no one argues that. Nobody argues that. Nobody argues that. Oh, here's the point. We get to 1 John 5, 1, and yeah, if we just take that half sentence out, it seems like we've got a pretty good, solid argument that that's it, faith. All it takes is faith, and you're born of God. 
But actually, that statement is built on a lot of other things that John has already said. And what we realize is that this biblical belief is not merely a mental assent, but it's a submission. It's a submission that says, I believe Jesus is the Christ. I am going to submit to him in a rebirth, a being born again of water and spirit. I'm receiving him. I'm being born again. I'm now loving my neighbor. I'm now going to be practicing righteousness. I'm going to be cutting off sin. This is all that's involved in this. Right. And so now I say, well, wait, we get to first John five, then how, how can this statement be so different than what we see from everything else? What if we just backed up and kept it even in its just immediate context? So let me go back to first John four and verse 20. 1 John 4 and verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Mm -hmm. When I read it in context, instead of just pulling this statement out to try to shore up my pet doctrine, when I read it in context, I actually find out that the main point of this verse is not telling me the singular qualification for who's born of God. The main point of this is telling me you need to love your brothers and sisters. That's what this verse is about. It's an amplification of it, which has been a major theme in the third and fourth chapters of 1 John. Yeah, absolutely. And here's his point. So everyone, now the ESV says, and everyone who loves the Father, which might lead us to believe that what's written there is everyone who loves God, that there's that, but the word for father is not there yeah this the last half of verse five is actually a more general just illustration if you love the parent you love his kids yeah that's really what it's literally saying if you love this so andrew if i love you i'm gonna love your kids if i don't love your kids you don't think i love you no i don't and then it's applied in this context you you can't say you love god if you don't love god's kids Mm -hmm. that's the point he's driving home love the people who are born of god And then as he describes these people born of God, he's not trying to give us the singular qualification. He's just giving a summarization. He's giving us an overarching principle because, and, and here's what is demonstrated. I cannot declare I biblically believe... Mm-hmm. If all I'm declaring is a moment of mental ascent, mm-hmm. I cannot declare I biblically believe, even if I want to just talk about a period of time of mental ascent. Biblical belief is belief that includes submission, following, surrender, allegiance, mm-hmm. and not only to the one we're surrendering to, but also to that one's children. His family. That's right. And so in the end, what we find out is that First John 5, 1, it doesn't mean anybody who's just had a moment of belief or if you believe you're automatically born of God, it actually means quite the opposite. Yeah. Once I keep it in yes. context. Yeah. It, what it means is I can't declare that I biblically believe if I'm not loving God's children. Thank you so much for joining us today for Text Talk. We're excited about our conversations in 1 John chapter 5. Let's have a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, we know that you have loved us first. Father, we want to love you. We want to love your people. That we might know that we are your children, born of you by the gospel of Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.